0: you're listening to the volleyball by design podcast today we're going to talk about digging and i'm going to give you my top factors that you should definitely be considering when you were trying to dig a volleyball so stay tuned Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after 11 years coaching competitive volleyball and as a head coach of a college team, I've become obsessed with helping athletes and coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to train efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I've created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is The volleyball by design podcast what's up ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 53 of the volleyball by design podcast how are you doing today oh man another day another week Uh, I, I love I love the time where I can come on the podcast and have a conversation with you all and talk to you and talk volleyball I mean you know that's 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 one of my favorite things to do of the week is when I drop another episode and we got a good one for you today But before we get into the episode, I want to welcome our new listeners. If you're new to the pod, welcome. You got about 42, or sorry, 52 episodes to get caught up on. And for my regular listeners, thank you again for making me part of your Monday or whenever you're listening uh, uh, this week. Now, um, one other thing that I want to let you guys know, depending on when you're listening to this, June 27th. I'm going to be doing another free workshop. Um, if you've attended any of my workshops in the past, I hope that I've been able to deliver value. And I've, I've always gotten a lot of good positive feedback from it, so I think that I do. And I want to continue doing it. So I'm going to be running my uh, my famous efficiency workshop. Uh, so coaches, you want to become a more efficient coach? Run more efficient practices, um, win more games, This is something that is a big, big part of my life. Efficiency is one of those things that I'm always trying to improve on. Um, And on June 27th, I'm going to be doing another uh, efficiency workshop. Actually, it's going to be June 27th and 28th, Sunday and Monday. I always like to do two days in case you can't uh, attend one of the days. And you're just going to go to volleyballworkshop.com and sign up. That's it. It's volleyball. www.volleyballworkshop.com and sign up and pick a day. And it's completely free. Absolutely free. Uh, if you if you have, I, I think I ran this workshop back in March, so about three months ago, a little bit more than three months ago, the beginning of March. So if you um did actually attend the efficiency training, come again, because sometimes when you do go through something once, uh, you know you take you take all the stuff you take away from it, but when you go through it again, it may you may, hit, I, may I may trigger something you didn't think about. You know when I don't know if you have ever done this, but when I look at a show or a movie, when I look at a movie the first time, I enjoy it. I take a lot in. I have a great experience. But if I watch that movie again for the second time, I notice things that I didn't notice the first time. I take, I take even more things away. Uh, and it's, it's pretty incredible when you can do that. So if you already came to the workshop, I, w- I definitely recommend coming again because you'll, you'll probably take some more things. Cause I give a lot of information in that workshop uh, about being a more efficient coach. And then you can take stuff, you can take stuff away from it and I, and I always, at the end of my training I always uh stay around for some Q&A. So you can get some nice Q&A. We can talk volleyball. So it'll be a great uh, I always try to make it interactive. Uh, it's a fun experience. So I look forward to seeing you guys there in 2 weeks. Is it 2 weeks? Just a bit just a bit more than 2 weeks. Yeah, June 27, 28. So yeah, 2 weeks. So let's talk about today's episode. Today's episode, we are talking about digging. Ah, the the conversation of digging. And I'm gonna break this into top factors that you must be considering when you're digging. Uh, so the first one, uh, we're gonna start basic, okay? Extremely, extremely basic, and that is your stance. Like where are you standing on the court? How is your stance? So b- before, before I say something, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong when it comes to digging. I, I always tell my athletes, you gotta, you know, your body, and you gotta feel comfortable with what you're doing. You know, there's no point in being uncomfortable if you can't move having said that it's important that you train the uncomfortableness so that it becomes a normal feeling for you so you can be more efficient on the court all right so it's kind of it's kind of a caveat there you want to be comfortable when you're digging you want to be you know locked in but you also want to make sure that you train the uncomfortableness of some of our games like passings uncomfortable you know diggings uncomfortable so that it becomes normalized so when it comes to stance uh I always, you know, you always hear coaches say, "The lower you get, the better," right? And there is truth to that. Um, the lower you get, the better you can potentially dig a ball because you can cover more area. So, if you're driving, don't do this, okay? But if you're not driving, I want you to, I want you to do this right now. I want you to stand straight up, okay? So you're standing up, your 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 uh, legs are shoulder width apart, and you're standing straight up. And I want you to stick your arms to the side and see how far you can reach, okay? So stick your left arm out to the left side, stick your right arm out to the right side. And you know what you could even do? You can, you can create a platform, like create create a platform to the right side of your body and then create a platform to the left side of your body. See how far you can reach. Okay. So now, now measure that distance, keep it in the back of your mind. Now I want you to, uh, to go low, which means you're going to separate your feet. Your feet are going to be as wide as possible. Okay. Separate your feet, see as wide as possible. And now I want you to put your hands out and see how far you can go. So we would have noticed that when your feet are wider, you can cover more area. And that's the reason why we say stay low on defense. It's not because you're more athletic. It's because you can cover more area. And when you're digging, you want to be able to cover more area. So when I I show my athletes this, what I do is I show them exactly how I described my, you know, my feet are shoulder width apart and I'm reaching to the side of my body and they can, and, and I'll, I'll even lean sometimes I'll lean like I'm going to dig and they can see the area that I can reach. And then the minute I, I separate my feet and I go wider, I actually slap the floor. Like I'll, I'll reach and I'll reach down to the floor and then I'll slap the other side. So I slap both sides and I'm like, and I go forward, I slap forward and I slap backwards and I show them that this is my digging zone. This, is the area that I can cover now that my feet are wider. And they notice, and you'll see too, is that it's, you're covering almost double the amount of area that you would have been able to cover if your feet were just shoulder width apart. So that is why we say dig low, and that's why we say you, know, you, want, you want to be low when you're digging because you have more area to cover. Okay, that's the first thing. Now the second thing is where, where are we standing? Uh, so I'm gonna talk strictly backcourt here because backcourt is where most of the digs occur in our game. Now, if you're a libero playing out of five, if you're a setter or right side playing out of one, we'll start with you. So the players that are on the sideline, okay, position five and one, where do you normally stand? Now, there is no right or wrong answer here, okay, coaches? No right or wrong answer. Every uh, There has been coaches, I've seen this do, do this like three or four different ways. I'm going to share with you the way that I do it, and I'm going to tell you the rationale. You make the judgment call if it fits your style, great if it doesn't, no problem, okay? There's no right or wrong answer to this. So where do your players stand in one and five? I like, so I want you to, let's, let's just go to uh, position five for example, okay? So position five, I want you to picture that player and where they're standing. Their IDP, their initial defensive position, so before the setter sets the ball, where are they setting up? I like to have the left foot on the sideline and the right foot facing inside the court. Okay, so imagine that your left foot is on the sideline and your right foot is in the court and it's facing in the court. You're kind of like positioned uh, where you're almost facing the setter with your right foot. Now, the reason I like that is because if they were to set the opposite, the right side attacker, and the ball goes to the left of you, then you don't have to touch it because you know it's out because your left foot is on the sideline. Therefore, anything to the left of you is out, which means... Anything to the right of you and to you, you're going to dig because you know it's going to be in. The second reason I like this is because when you're playing defense, you're playing defense towards inside the court. You don't have to be playing defense towards the outside of the court. So now let's say for example, that your left foot wasn't on the line and maybe you were like one or two steps inside the court when it comes to position five. Now, if a right side or opposite hitter was to swing line and that ball went to the left of you, Well, you would have to gauge whether it's in or out, that's the first thing, and secondly, when you're digging, you are now digging away from the court because you have to reach opposite of the inside of the court, opposite of the center. You have to reach to the outside of the court, which means there is potential that that ball could get shanked and you have to chase, meaning it's going outside of the court. Right? there's more of a likelihood that, that could happen versus if your left foot was on the line. Well, one, you would know whether the ball is in or not because if it's going right to you, and two, you're already you're playing defense in the court. You're facing inside the court, so the ball has a I would say a better chance of being of being playable than if you were in now. That is my opinion. That is the way that I teach defense when it comes to the position one and five. Position one is the exact same thing. It's just reverse. Your right foot is on the sideline and your left foot's in the court. And that's the way I teach it. I, now, I've seen coaches I respect have the players one or two steps in. And I, compl- and I that's no problem. You can do that too. Um, that's, their, that's their IDP. Now, I want, maybe I should make this clear. What I'm describing here is your starting position before the setter sets the ball, okay? So this means that this is where you are standing before the setter sets the ball, because the great thing is is that if the setter sets right side, you don't have to move. You're already in position. If the setter sets left side, then we transition into putting ourselves in a better position to dig the ball. All right? So that is your stance, that is your where to stand. and how. Now, if you're in position six, there is no right or wrong answer to this one. Uh, again, same thing. I like to have my players IDP, um, generally like you know two feet in front of the the, the baseline, and that's kind of where they where they're going to start. Now, there's no right or wrong. Right. They can anywhere in six is really fine as long as they're not too close to the end line. On your IDP, meaning where you stand before the setter sets the ball. Okay, on defense. Um, I do want to mention another thing too. Digging and passing are two different things. Okay? Digging and passing are two different things, all right? Your stance for digging is low. Your stance for passing is not low. It's relaxed. It's in a state it's in a neutral position where the athlete can create angles. When you're digging, you're not trying to create angles. You're trying to pop the ball up into the middle of the court. Now here here's this brings me to another point actually. A uh, big mistake I made when I was a young coach, and I don't know if any of you guys are making this mistake here as well. When you're digging, where are you trying to dig the ball to? Okay, think about that. Where are you trying to dig the ball to? Now, when I first started coaching, you know what I thought? I thought we were trying to dig the ball to the setter, to the two and a half position. That's where I thought we were trying to dig the ball, and I was mistaken. You were not trying to dig the ball to the two and a half position. That is where you, you try to pass the ball. Okay, big difference. When you pass, you're creating angles, you're passing outside your body, you're trying to drop your shoulder to angle it to your target to get to to two and a half, to get to your setter. Well, when it comes to digging, we are trying to dig to what I call the X. And the X is in the middle of the court by the attack line. So the middle of your side on the attack line, that is where you're trying to dig the ball, you're trying to dig the ball up to that position. Because of a couple things. Well, one, if the setter's front court you imagine the setters coming down from a block, they have to be able to gather themselves and go to the position to set the ball. That's one. Two, by setting, by digging to the middle of the court, it allows you multiple hitting options. Multiple hitting options. And three, if you were trying to dig to two and a half, nine out of 10 times that ball is going to go over the net and it's going to be unplayable on your side, which means the other team now is going to get to run an offense down your throat. So you don't want to do that. So we want to dig to this X, to the middle of the court. So digging and passing are two different things. All right, so make sure you understand that, make sure you teach that, and more importantly, make sure your players understand that. Uh, you'd be surprised, a lot of players will come into my gym and not understand the difference between digging and passing, and they'll even mess up the terminology. When I when I hear my players, sometimes when someone passes a great serve, they'll be like, great dig. Well, that's not a dig. Or when I hear someone dig a ball, the great pass. That is not a pass. It's important that your players understand the difference so that you can can coach them better. They can understand what digging and passing and how they're two different actions. They're two different skill sets. All right. So enough talk about stance, where to stand and the difference. Let's get into my other point, which is reading. Super important when it comes to digging a ball. And there's a lot of different facets to reading. I'll start with the very basic. When it comes to reading an attacker, there are two things a Digger has to look at. One is the attacker itself, or him, him or herself, the attacker's arm, the, where the the angle of approach the attacker is coming in on, the type of set. Okay, so these are the cues that, the, that you're trying to read. So you're trying to read what kind of set did the setter set? High ball tempo. Then you're trying to figure out where did the setter set the ball? Location, inside, outside. Did it, did it go too high? After you've determined that where the setter is, gonna, if the setter is setting a left side or right side or so forth, then you're trying to decide you know what type of set it is. Then you got to see the angle of approach the hitter's coming in on. It's coming in sharp, it's coming in long, and all that stuff. That's what you focus on. So, just like blocking, actually, it's very similar to blocking. After the setter sets the ball and you've identified where it's going and the type of set, your eyes focus on only on the hitter. The ball becomes irrelevant at that point. You only focus on the hitter because the hitter is going to tell you everything else you need to know. The hitter is going to say, "Well, I'm coming in on a sharp angle." So you can line yourself up accordingly to where the hitter is coming in from. You also have to look at the hitter's hands. All right, their shoulder, are they are they going to roll? Are they going to swing heavy? Are they going to tip? Now this comes with, it comes with practice, all right? Looking at the hand, understanding the hitter, reading the hitter's body language, what they're doing. This comes with practice and over time you become better at it. You know, generally speaking, when the hitter drops their shoulder, they're not going to be swinging, they're going to be tipping or rolling or something like that. Um, So that's a cue you can look out for. The second thing you're going to look at, so we talked about the first cue of reading. You're reading the, the set and the hitter. The second thing you're going to look at is you're going to look at the block. And actually I shouldn't say the second because these things go hand in hand. You could look at the block first that you, it kind of it kind of goes hand in hand. But but you actually, you know what? Now that I'm speaking out loud, you pro, you want to look at the set location first and the hitter actually. Yeah, that's what you want to look at first and then you look at the block. So I stand corrected. You do want to look at the set location first and the hitter, then you look at the block. But the crazy thing is is that you're looking at the block and the hitter almost at the same time at the end. And the reason you look at the block is because the block is going to tell you where you're standing. Because you don't want to be standing behind the block. You want to be standing in the seam. And more importantly, you want to step up into the seam to play defense. Okay, really important. You want to step up into the seam to play defense. So what is a seam? A seam is the space between the blockers. So let's say, for example, that they're setting a left side ball and you're a libero. Okay. Very, very common situation here. Left side set, is getting ready to, to dig the ball. Well, you're going to want to make sure that if there's a seam meaning there's a space between the block that you step into that seam that that's where you're lining your body up to play defense in that gap. If you're a player in position 6, you want to make sure you're lining your body up in that space. You're stepping up into the seam to play defense because that's likely where the ball is going to go. Because if the ball is get is hit and it goes into the blocker's hands, that's blocker's ball. That is not your ball. So you don't want to we don't want to double up on the zones. We don't want to You know, we don't want to overcompensate because if a blocker is taking an area away, you don't need to take that area away if you're playing defense. You need to take other areas away. Now, I hope I made myself clear there, okay? So if there is a space in the block, you step up into that seam to play defense. Now, what if there's no seam? What if your team did a great job of getting over and putting up a great double block or a triple block? Well, in that case, you play the hands. Okay, now, here's the thing. If you're in six you are playing the hands, which means you are backing up to almost the end line. You're probably gonna stand on the end line to play that shot if you are in six. If you are in five and one, this is where it gets very tricky. Because there is a sealed block, you have to look for either off the hands or a roll, a tip into the middle of the court. So what I say, generally speaking, is the player in position one, you are responsible for those tips if it's a left side attack. You're responsible for covering any of those tips because if they swing deep, if they swing off the hands, right, the the person in position six is going to get that ball. That's not your ball. You got to make sure you cover all those tips, all those rolls in the middle of the court, right over the block, that's all you. Player five, or position five rather, libero, you're not playing those short tips. You're playing high off hands, which means you got to get running as well. In case it goes ricochets off the blockers' hands, you gotta run. So let me just recap really quickly there. If it's a sealed block, player in position five and player in position six, you're gonna be playing the hands. Player in position one, you're gonna be playing the tips and and the rolls and all that stuff. So so understanding that once you see a sealed block, it's beneficial because you can start getting into position right away. You can start moving and reacting to the ball even before it even before it uh it gets hit. Okay. So those are the two big things when it comes to reading. The third thing I'm gonna talk about when it comes to reading, um, and this, this actually could be a point in itself when it comes to digging actually, is understanding who you're digging against. And this comes with scouting report, this comes with understanding the f- uh, film, understanding the player. So as defenders, I expect all of our players to know the tendencies of the attackers on the other team so you'll know right off the back you know player number six really likes that cross-court shot player number six does barely goes line so before every match we'll have hitting charts of their hitters and we'll know Well, oh, this this is a likely likely shot for this player so knowing that information now knowing the tendencies of the hitter it allows you to put yourself in the position ahead of time which will increase the likelihood of you digging the ball right? Just being prepared. You know, I always talk about being prepared. You want to be prepared. Well, this is an example where you definitely, definitely want to be prepared. Now, if you're a club coach or high school coach, and you've never seen this team play before, then you can't do this. You can't unfortunately prepare. But what you can do is, and we have, we have coaches do this as well in club. I used to do this too, is in the very first set, you can have an assistant coach charting tendencies, passing tendencies, and hitting tendencies. You can do that, so in the second set now, you have information that you can use that can help you in the, in the second set because you'll look at the first set and if you notice on in-system balls, this player only hits a shot, guess what? You just have information now that you can tell your libero, your your team, you know, number six really loves to hit this shot. He's to hit it every time in the first set. Chances are he's going to continue doing it because why would he change? Why would he do something that's been working for him? And that gives you valuable information. So If you don't have film on them beforehand, you can do this. And by the way, even teams that have film that make sure they understand tendencies, coaches still do this in the first set because tendencies can alter based on what the attacker sees. If the attacker sees us taking away a certain shot he likes, he may adjust. And now all of a sudden he's hitting this shot in the set, which we can now see. It's a game of chess, you know, it's a game of chess. We can also adjust in the second set based on that and have the, we can have the advantage. We can have the upper hand by, by having an assistant coach chart these during the first set. So really, really important to have that. Um, and you can see why, why this is important where I'm going with this. So film if you're a club or high school coach and you've played a team before. I hope you're filming all your games so you can have this, this information at your hands uh, when it comes to passing and digging. All right. So super important is knowing your offensive players, knowing what their tendencies are, knowing what they can do so you have that advantage. You can adjust accordingly. Now the last thing that I have, now this may, this, may not even, may, this may not be my last point, but it's the last thing I have in my notes here I was going to talk about, is mindset. Mindset, yes. I know you hear this word thrown out there quite a bit, but it is so true when it comes to mindset. And what I mean by that is you want to have the mindset of an aggressive defensive player. right? Defense is desire. All right. Defense is like, you know, I want it. I want to play defense. I, it's not, I, I don't want you to think about defense as in I'm just protecting this side. I'm I, like, when it happens, it happens. I want you to think of defense as in I'm going after the ball. I want the ball to be swung at me. You know, it, it's the same thing with passing, you know, passers, when you're passing a ball in your mind, you should be telling yourself, serve that ball to me. Sir I want the ball. And if you can tr- trigger if you can change that mind to that aggressive mindset to being to wanting the ball you will improve your performance will increase this is not this is not an opinion this is a fact okay this is proven with research if you want it if your mindset is from I want that serve I want that ball I want that dig I want that attacker to swing at me you are more likely to succeed than if you didn't have that mindset so uh, coaches, uh, we, and coaches, make sure your players understand this. And it's funny because I've, I've actually, I, I don't want to tell this story again because I've told it in the past. Actually, screw, I'll tell the story again. It's a good story. When we played, we had, we had a road trip. where We played in Ottawa. And um, this is a passing story, not a digging story. And I had a, a, a passer who completely bombed in our first game. Uh, it was our, our game one of the weekend road trip. And it was because he was nervous. Because he put so much pressure on himself. He didn't want, he didn't want the ball to be served to him, right? Because he was, he didn't want to let his teammates down. And he had a terrible game. And when we had a one-on-one with him after that game in the hotel, right? Us, the coaches and him talked, I, was, I basically asked him a question. I said, why do you play this game? I love it. It's fun. Well, my, am like, it didn't seem like you're having fun tonight. He's like, yeah, because there's so much pressure. That I don't want to let my teammates out. And I told him, look, I want you to go out there tomorrow and pretend it's a, it's a pickup game. Right? When you go to the Y, you go out, you have fun, right? There's no pressure. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, there's no pressure. I'm like, if, if you shank every single ball that you get served tomorrow night, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be okay. No penalty, nothing. No, no one will get penalized. There's no yelling, there's nothing. He's like, Really? I'm like, yeah. Have fun. You get aced, it's okay. Learn from it. Have fun. I want you to wanna I want you to want that server to serve the ball to you. That's why you love this game so you can get more touches, right? He's like, yeah. So he went the next day and he was excited. No pressure. I told him, like, how are you feeling today? He's like, I'm okay. Like, I'm like, good. No pressure. Go have fun. I'm like, your, your job today is to have fun. That is your only objective. I don't care how you perform on the court. I want you to have fun. If you come out of this game, tell him you had a lot of fun. I, we did our job today. This guy passed lights out because the first time he made an error, he looked at me. I was like, I'm having fun. That's okay. And he started smiling. He's like, he said, okay, you know what? Serve this ball at me. And all of a sudden, his mindset and his performance went through the roof. It was the best performance he's ever done because he was having fun. So mindset, and and, and you notice that we didn't change any skill. We didn't tell him to adjust his platform or do this in any way. We told him to have fun. We told him to want that ball. And he did, and he improved significantly. It was unreal. So as diggers, as passers, we want to have the mindset of wanting the ball, wanting the ball, okay? Okay. And the last thing, this is actually going to be the last thing that I talk about, um, is this ideal of when you're practicing digging, coaches, with your players, it is extremely important that we just don't practice digging with two hands. You know, the very, a very common thing, you swing, player digs with two hands, because the reality is, especially at the higher level, there are many, many, many times where you do not dig a ball with two hands. You dig it with one hand, you dig it with your shoulder, you dig it with your chest, you dig it with a lot of different parts of your body. It's super important that, that, that our players understand that. And we need to practice digging with one hand, both your left hand and your right hand, because our, our players have to feel comfortable doing that. They have to be, you know, when someone swings a ball at you, it's, it's coming so fast that you have to be able to react. And if our players don't feel comfortable reacting with one hand, they're not going to be as successful as they could be. So I want us to practice digging with one hand on both sides of the body, digging with the shoulder. Um, I think Dustin Wine calls it the chicken foot when you, like, you, you kind of bring your elbow up a little bit and create like that chicken leg to, to be digging that way. There's a lot of different ways you got to be able to dig a ball, not just with you know, a, a, a regular platform. And this, this kind of this ties in with my first points when it comes to stance, but when someone is digging a ball at you, you want to make sure that your athlete's palms are facing up you wanna make sure that their biceps, their forearms, everything is facing up, and then you go towards making a platform or just digging it with one hand. Because if the ball hits any part of your body, your palm, your forearm, your bicep, you want the ball to go up. Because if if your palm is open, right, that's that's more surface area, the ball's gonna go up. If your bicep is open up to the ceiling, your bicep, your forearm is open up to the ceiling, there's, there's more surface area now, so the ball's gonna go up. So make sure that when your players are digging, when the setter sets the ball and they're getting ready to have that impact before they create their platform, make sure everything in their body is facing up. Palms out, bicep, uh, forearm, everything's up and out and facing up and that way you'll be more successful that way, all right? So that's my last point in, in terms of one hand digging, digging with the rest of your body, digging with your chest. You got to learn how to dig. Uh, Females, it may be different. You might not want to dig with your chest, but uh, you may want to dig with other parts of your body as well. You know, shoulder, bicep, forearm, stuff like that. Uh, And that will definitely, definitely help. Okay. So just to recap, we talked about, let's talk about your stance, where to stand. And again, remember, there's no right or wrong answer to that. You got to make the best call for you. I gave you my rationale. We talked about reading looking at the block, looking at the hitter, looking at the understanding who the player is, their tendencies. We talked about mindset, super, super important when it comes to mindset. And we talked about one hand digging as well as digging with the rest of your body, okay? So I want you to take that and I want you to um, really, really start looking into those things when it comes to digging. Uh, coaches, two weeks, I hope to see you guys on my efficiency workshop, live training, so be great. Volleyballworkshop.com, make sure you check it out. Um, and, and and also too, follow me on the gram. I don't know if anyone's on a, Follow me on Instagram, brian singh underscore coach B. Uh, I, I post a lot of stuff daily on Instagram, you know, some tips, some tricks, stuff like that, uh, just to help you out a little bit. And I got to end on this note because I always do. But if you're a coach out there listening to this, right, you've been with me for about you know 30 minutes now or so, and you really want to improve your coaching, you want some mentorship because every coach needs a mentor. I learned this really, really late in my career, unfortunately, but every coach needs a mentor. Uh, and you would like me to be that mentor for you. I have a program called Digital Volleyball Academy where it's a great mentorship program where I do that. I get, you get a complete access to me, to my gym, to my resources, to all my courses that I've created over the last year or two, everything. It's an amazing experience for you. You get me, you get to really fast track your learning and growth so you can help your team improve and win, which is, which is a great thing to happen. Uh, go to Digital Volleyball Academy, sign up for the waitlist. And I look forward to seeing you inside when I open doors. All right, that's it for me. Hope to see you guys in two weeks on the live training and enjoy the rest of your week. And I'll see you again uh, next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music.